When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. And we are back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. You said the word we, and you didn't mean all of us. You just meant you and me. I'm Louis Fertel. But I am back, so we is technically correct. Listen, that bitch got put in the USA Today crossword puzzle, and I guess she's no, in she Maui or something. Yeah, she was in the USA Today crossword puzzle this week. Excuse me. Can't even congratulate her today, but... <laughs> I just want to say that I have done twice as many episodes of this show that she has, and I've been in, I've been in no crossword puzzle. No, like Will Shorts is not calling me up, double checking the spelling of my last name. Oh, that's right. You're you're the last one of us that needs to be put in a crossword puzzle, Lewis. There are just so many other Lewises before me that you would consider, like Tomlinson, CK. Like these people are always going to take precedent over me. Mm-hmm. Well, you better start uh, masturbating the plants, Lewis. <laughs> I, it seems so <laughs> obvious now. Yeah. <laughs> or just sing um, bad pop songs. Does he have a solo album? Lewis Tomlinson, I feel like he has a solo song. He definitely has wispy hair. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's good enough. He's he's sweet. He's sweet. I don't want to disparage Lewis Tomlinson, but, you know, I mean, I, I don't think of him when I think of One Direction anymore. No, right. Actually, now that I think about it, all the solo hits from One Direction are pretty good. I know Liam had the bad album, but like the average of like the solo stars from that band are way better than you'd expect. That's fair. I still feel like the mo- the most disappointing one is Zane because uh, you know, when he's not uh harassing Yolanda Hadid. Oh right. Uh I feel like his songs are so fucking sleepy. They are a little uh, 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 lullabies unintentionally. And also, I thought he was going to pop off way more after Pillow Talk became what it did. So he has to have a reinvention at this point, not just another album. Yeah, I mean, also, it's funny that you mentioned lullaby because (laughs) did you did you see that interview with Rihanna this week? No, I first of all, I sometimes forget that she is capable of giving interviews. So I'm already clutching the table wondering what she said. Well, to be fair, she's usually running away from journalists asking her about her album. Right. As she should, Uh, because, by the way, Uh, they're only getting faster. Yeah. But someone did ask about the album (laughs) and she said um, something about how, like, she promises the album is going to be coming at some point. Uh, I didn't make y'all wait this long for a lullaby. Oh, all right. <laughs> As in, so it's going to be... Well, I mean, that's interesting because Rihanna's last efforts, I feel like, are a little bit swimmier, not low-key, but like she's not really giving you hard dance as much. That sort of sounds like what she's suggesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I want everyone to know that Lewis was doing a little dance when he was describing what rihanna was delivering to us oh yes uh, and, and it well, made me wish know, this was visual <laughs> well as you know i began on soul train and i spent several years in the band shalimar 
Um, oh, God. Before we even get started with the whole episode, I do want to say that I did see MJ the musical. Oh, get out. Okay. Well, yes. And are the you a Soul Train are, scene, are you, He's innocent. Are you innocent? <laughs> yeah. But MJ, dot, 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 innocent. <laughs> Doves thrown. Yeah. Uh, it was so hard to watch the show with all the, the doves flying around <laughs> in the Neil Simon Theater, right? Uh, That's You tough. know what? I. I really like the musical. Yeah. And here's the problem with a musical like that where you might have opinions about Michael and the exact story it's being told. A All the components that go into making a Broadway show involve everyone, you know, and the directing, the choreography, for one. Every fucking dancer in that um, show is, like, turning it out. It's, it's, it's a really, really um, exciting show to watch. I loved it. And speaking of Soul Train, like the Soul Train sequence where um, you, you forget because he does like the moonwalk and like the crotch grabbing and everything else, right? That like he had the entire nation doing the robot after Dancing Machine. Right. The yeah. Dancing Machine sequence is one of the most exciting sequences I've seen uh, in a Broadway musical. Oh my god! I also just love the end of the song "Dancing Machine" because that's where it's like just whatever it goes through, like it's like no other song. They're, they were yeah. innovative right from the beginning. Now I have a question: Is it? It is in fact like a biographical musical. Then, yes, yes, it's mm-hmm. set um, during rehearsals for the Dangerous tour. Wow. Okay. Right. Yes. Yes. Dangerous. And I w- dangerous is when we were acquainted with the fact that he has the worst taste of all time. But yes. <laughs> um, I would say what's exciting about the conflict in the play is like he's he's spending a lot of money and is is you know he's like um you know um putting up Neverland for mortgage you know and it's like his team is like you're spending too much money you don't have to go bigger and bigger and bigger he's like. I have to go bigger. I have to go bigger. That's what the audience wants. Um, Girl, nobody wanted you to buy that like gilded (laughs) elephant mask or whatever you were spending your money on. But he keeps trying to talk about how he wants this like toaster oven effect where he like um, the show opens with him like popping up out of the stage and, you know, like landing, you know, and it's like it's just interesting hearing that as a conflict in 93 with his team and then being like, you can't do something like this, like it's dangerous, etc. Knowing like how many pop stars um, years later are doing that trick. I'm thinking like, of it was, Ke- it was Kelly Beyond- Rowland and Michelle Williams at the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, at the yeah. Super Bowl, popping up, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, that that I really enjoyed. I will say that Lynn Nottage's script is interesting Um and, but the framing device, and we'll get to this when we get to inventing Anna. Um, mm. <laughs> the framing device of using a journalist um, to tell the story does not work. And I'm sorry. We need to stop telling stories about journalists unless it's going to be Spotlight. Okay? Right. That's true. Or or His Girl Friday. That right, his <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, Roz Russell Hive Rise. Um, no, but that was also the thing that wasn't good about Hustlers was that it came mm. from uh, the journalist perspective. And I don't think Julia St- the Julia Stiles character added something to the... Because we're really just stu- studying dynamics between the characters. So maybe if they, just, not. if they broke the fourth wall otherwise, and we're, I don't know, confessing to camera, I even think that might have been more effective than her asking kind of bland questions. Because also, this isn't how journalists act. Like, they're not, like, obsequious, you know? Yeah. Uh, So we'll discuss that when we get to Inventing Anna. But I will say I love MJ the musical. I would just say keep it to 
Um, they have this white woman journalist like badgering him um, during the rehearsals and like finding out he's he's taking painkillers and you know like asking him really serious questions and i don't know if it was the performance or whatever but it was it just didn't work for me and also i think because it's a white woman like you know like uh digging into his business like it almost feels like you're supposed to be anti her Mm. um digging for these questions and i'm like i want to be on her side um it's just it was a little murky for me but as a spectacle, go see it. Uh, that's what it sounds like you need to see. Uh, now, I have a question. There's obviously a Quincy Jones presence in the play, right? Yes, Quincy, Qu- Quincy is in, Quincy's are in we, the play. Are we satisfied with that? Is he a personality that we... It, does it match up with what we think? He's just like... He's actually sort of in one scene, uh, two scenes, but I, I think I think it works. There's like the the scene where they're creating want to be start wanting to be starting something. Oh, okay. Uh, that 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 is really fun. It just gets into the fact that like off the wall was sort of like uh, not as successful as Michael wanted it to be because he was still being boxed in as like a black musician and like um, MTV still wasn't playing his videos and he thought it was amazing, but you know he he really wanted to go to that next level. So hmm. want to be starting yeah. something. I mean, among among times people have popped off. That was popping off. I mean, that is an un, <laughs> unhinged song. And, and but, which, by the way, if you've if you've not taken the time to read the lyrics, he says the phrase "you're a vegetable" thirty times. I mean, <laughs> do you have the confidence to sing "you're a vegetable" even once? Probably not. Uh it, it it was a reminder that the construction of many Michael Jackson songs is is truly unhinged as you yeah. say you know it goes from it goes from uh different octaves he's like whispering song he's whispering lyrics at one point he's screaming them uh, the melody is like there it was really beautiful music construction so you know um as i said mj innocent <laughs> okay <great. laughs> no educational uh, great <laughs> All right, uh, you and I today are going to get into inventing Anna, as we said, and you know the how much we love scammers and scam television, which is his own genre now. Yeah, uh, we're also going to talk about the halftime show, which I did see. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry you had to watch football for even right. a second. No, but, uh, p- picture me watching football, which I did do. <laughs> my, my hands are my hands are up in the air. I'm confused. I'm looking from side to side. Every penalty <laughs> feels like they're making it up. Yeah. Uh, and we are joined by the incredible um, Anjanu Ellis, Oscar nominee for King Richard. Uh, so it's a fun episode. I, when I was watching other interviews with her before... Uh, we talked to her. I, you, you have a, a feeling sometimes you're like, this one's going to be really good. She is awesome. Oh, my God. She had me cracking up. So get ready for that. All right. We will be back with more Keep It. In case you missed it, last week, Lewis joined Love It or Leave It to compete with Michael Lasker for a round of Oscars trivia. You can listen to the episode right now in the Love It or Leave It feed. New episodes out every Saturday wherever you get your podcasts. So I would say the second week of Black History Month started off better than the first. Oh, good. Yeah, you know, 
Um, despite decades of hip-hop at the center of pop music, rap finally took center stage for the first time at the Super Bowl. And there have been rap and hip-hop elements previously. I felt like it was sort of dramatized how much this is the the first of its kind or whatever. I mean, clearly Missy Elliott was a part of the Katy Perry Mm. Super Bowl. My favorite rapper, Madonna, headlined her entire own Super Bowl. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you've listened to American Life recently, but wow, she really took it to the streets Uh. with that one. You know what? I I aspire to have an agent and a manager, a lawyer, and a chef. And a chef. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think I think actually all of those qualify if I count um Hello Fresh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're you're Madonna. You're Madonna. Yeah. Uh but yes, a lot was a lot of um there was a there was a lot um centered around the fact that this was, you know, like West Coast rap. Because the Super Bowl was in L.A., go Rams, et cetera. I guess mm-hmm. they won. <laughs> uh, what was interesting about the Super Bowl in general, just uh, being in L.A. this year, was you forget how much like of uh, an event the Super Bowl is in terms of like celebrity. And it, it, right. you will usually have celebrities like going to their hometown like if like celebrities were from atlanta uh will usually be like at the super bowl if it's in atlanta you know and if it's somewhere else where celebrities don't usually go unless they're filming a movie or on tour um some of them will still show up because the super bowl is like an event right Mm -hmm. uh i felt like there were more random celebrities that i'd expect to see at the super bowl this year just because it was in la oh yeah well we got the ellen selfie of course and then there was uh J-Lo and Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon, I saw. Uh, mm-hmm. So our, all of our Kanye, patron saints. Kanye, Kanye there in his mask. Right. <laughs> that he would be taking precautions. I mean, wow. <laughs> you, you can go all the way around and come back to conser- conservatism. I have no idea. Or, li- he's liberal. I have no idea. Uh, and and then, unfortunately, um, he was seated in front of Judd Apatow. We had Judd Apatow um just live Instagramming what Kanye was doing at the Super Bowl. And I'm like, can can you let your daughter be in the forefront, Judd? Okay. <laughs> I am actually loving Maud on Euphoria. And you know what? I I, I need less from Judd Apatow. Euphoria is something where it has not been described to me so many times. I've, I've seen like the first half of the first season. I know I'm like, uh, it's my job as a pop culture podcaster to be up on things like Euphoria. Unfortunately, it's a blind spot for me. Now it has taken on such legend in my mind from the people who will not shut up about it that I feel like I can never see it because clearly they're exaggerating what is happening on this show. I get that they're, they're absolutely wild. not. Okay. They're absolutely not. The show is insane. And I will actually say I've been watching it through memes as I've discussed before because I haven't dived right. into this season in full. But I did watch Sunday's episode um, after a Super Bowl party, and I enjoyed it. Um, but it's 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 weird that this show has taken hold as um, the teen show of the moment. And yeah. I will say that historically, there's always going to be a teen show that everyone is watching. Um, and when people are shocked that like straight men watch Euphoria, like Jack Harlow tweeted, like Team Maddie, uh, and people were shook. I was like, there's always a teen show that like when it takes hold, every demographic watches it. Like straight men were watching the OC. Right, 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 right. Yeah, there is always room for one that everybody like gets obsessed. There's something about like that age of character where you in particular get obsessed with them. Because like it's every, everybody's so extreme all the time. I don't know. There's something addictive about that. But anyway, here we are back at the Super Bowl where all of our favorites were performing. Can I tell you something that shocked me? 
I, you know, immediately when I see, you know, a bunch of famous people in a context like this, I need to look up how old they are. You know what? They are really not that old. Like these people have been famous forever and ever and ever. Like Mary J. Blige probably coming up on 30 years, right? What's the 411? That's like 92, I think. She's like barely 50. It's like mm. all of these people started up pretty young. So it's not even really like an old timers convention. It's not like you're getting, you know, the kind of Kennedy Center honors each group here. Uh-huh. It is weird now that we've gotten to the point where most of the music we grew up with is now nostalgia for the Super Bowl. Right. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. It's it, it's a mortality check for me, certainly. But um, no, I mean, I've been making hateration, holleration jokes for two decades now. Wow. Look at me go. <laughs> and some of them are funny. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's not really the point of them. I, please don't mischaracterize my art. But yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, Mary J. Blige was maybe my favorite part. Uh, well, but they, first of all, they definitely J-load her out, which I didn't yes. know we were going to do with her. But uh, okay, fine. She, she's a singer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, that is usually what I love about Mary J. Blige, that she can sing. Uh, right. And she was, yeah, she was she was giving pop performance. Right. It, it, it was it was Vox Lux adjacent, the level of um, <laughs> shiny and singing, yes. Uh, but I was actually really shocked like how much I enjoyed this performance. You know, I thought it was like a really solid Super Bowl um, halftime show. And I usually am only interested in divas performing. Well, I will say there's, I think, an advantage to having a whole bunch of performers and just like getting it down to like a song, a piece, and then passing it on. You know, because if, if for instance, if you're not into justin timberlake and he's doing the entire super bowl like he can hardly uh, you you may like one song more than another but like you basically can make up your mind about the entire thing in two seconds you know whereas mm -hmm. in this case you know you start with who was like snoop dogg or something and like i'll be honest when snoop dogg performs i'm going to sleep sorry it's just not that dynamic for me and then <laughs> when when you get into the other songs you know when final when uh mary J appears or something it's like oh a, a spike etc so it's sort of more old hollywood it's like a variety show you know i would say that aside from barry j kendrick lamar was oh he was great the best part. because because yeah. well i mean like one thing kendrick lamar is going to do is give you a performance on tv he, he weirdly is like among the more theatrical like like traditionally theatrical performers we have like they're always he whenever he's in an award show i brought this up like fifty thousand times when he did damn at the uh bet awards like, like six years mm -hmm. ago or something that that was not normal how good it was like compared to any award show performance so in a way he should have been centered this entire time and by the way he is so much younger than everybody else in this show he is younger than i am which makes me mad he is shorter than us too I don't think I ever it ever really highlighted for me how short Kendrick Lamar was until this performance. Just wow. like when they all stood on the stage at the end, like, you know, like the West Coast Avengers, uh, <laughs> which is an actual comic book um, that no one needs to read. Uh, but it was just uh, highlighting how short he was which is unforgivable um sorry stardom is for tall people um how did how did you feel about your uh your favorite performer eminem <laughs> well i'll be honest he gave me exactly what i expected like there, there was not there were no creative choices involved he gave you lose yourself he gave you the the song you would hear during a gatorade commercial which makes sense uh -huh. um uh, but th at the same time 
it also felt like no time had passed either. Like he's yeah. utterly the same. His skills are the same, you know. A weird, a, a, I would say a fumbled protest. I could not tell what he was doing. Yeah, right. So I was like, okay, that is referencing that, right? Okay, G- great, whatever. Sure. Remember Colin Kaepernick? What if he? What, what, if, what if he said that? Like after he, as he gets, out, gets down on one knee, he goes, "Remember Colin Kaepernick?" I was like, uh, "Didn't he not want any of you performing at this show? Wasn't that the whole thing?" Right. Yeah. That's what was confusing. I was like, "So you shouldn't be there." Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, now, how did you feel about Fifty Cent coming in? Like, uh, you know, I, I had forgotten, by the way, that what he was doing, hanging upside down, was a reference to the video in the club. Right. I so I it took me a second to remember it, but even then I was like, you probably shouldn't have done this, baby. I'm gonna say, girl, the blood's rushing <laughs> to your head. I don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> How often is he addressed as girl? Am I the first? Okay. <laughs> I think Vivica Fox addresses him as girl That's every probably time she true. discusses him. <laughs> His performance was actually, um, to use um, today's secret password, um, unhinged. Yes, even though he was literally hinged, hanging from something. It was literally hinged. Then once he got down, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be ageist. Uh, And I think I'm allowed to do that because all 50 Cent does is... um, spend his afternoons bullying women on instagram like madonna and little kim uh and vivica (laughs) fox you know uh it's it was weird because like i do not think i've seen or thought of this man in the context of performing like in well over a decade yeah like he had his like definitely not since like ao technology (laughs) with justin timberlake he Which revolutionized us, you know, Silicon Valley, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what the Uber show's about. Yeah. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he got his vitamin water money, and so we haven't had to see him perform. You know, like that's yeah. that's not his bag anymore. He now just makes um a different spinoff of Power every week. <laughs> right, there's like 90 spin. Uh, there's literally something like four or five spin-offs of that show on Stars. The Book of The Book of Power 75. Uh, <laughs> Woof, weird. Uh more books than the fucking Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry Christians. Uh, <laughs> but it was weird seeing him one perform again and two seeing him try and like recapture the 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 youthful feeling of that video because he was on stage out of breath and in contrast to like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg who have perfect breath control still mm-hmm. were like rapping their songs with no problem and 50 here can't even do in the club and everyone can do that at karaoke. Right. And also, uh, well, again, he was hanging upside down. It's like, did you think you were Mary Martin? Sorry. It's just not for everybody. <laughs> what, what if he said that? I think I thought I was Mary Martin. <laughs> <laughs> And then once he was standing upright, making all those um, female dancers just grind on him um, with the intensity of like a J-Lo performance. <laughs> Which is arguably the most intense. That's <laughs> pure panic. Yeah, People have died during J-Lo performances. That's how intense they are. By the way, you can always watch the J-Lo Shakira 
Super Bowl performance. That really is pure joy from beginning to end. And you forget how much individual time they both get. Like you really get a, a crash course in like Shakira's discography, for example, like songs you forgot about, songs you've heard a million times. That's uh, they really killed at that time. Mm. What's interesting is this is like the first year where we didn't really get any um people are being too sexual at the Super Bowl, except for that weirdo um Charlie Kirk, who um I don't think has ever even masturbated before. So um <laughs> calling he called the performance uh sexual anarchy. But um it's so funny just to think of like the history of this music and how them performing at the Super Bowl like when they first came out would have garnered protests Mm -hmm. and now it's just like we've been around this music for like 30 years it's it's tame now it's extremely old to make that comment i mean truly that sounds like someone talking about elvis on the ed sullivan show i mean oh no (laughs) not hip movement not uh a knowing look in his eye or whatever they think is so nefarious anyway i still have no idea what to think about in terms of the nfl and like the black community and protests and whatever Jay-Z is doing as his initiative and having teamed up with them. And I I officially don't care anymore. Again, if you're not going to be a compelling sport to me, I can hardly make a case for you. Sorry. I've talked about this before. If you're going to wear a helmet, I can't see the pain in your eyes. I can't, I can't know your story. You know, I can't, it's not like King Richard where every time, you know, they take a swing. I'm like, Oh, I know her angst. I relate to her in this moment. Uh, So Unfortunately, it's just not an emotionally well-drawn odd sport. You know, I think that I think that more football players should wear like halter tops. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, they cut off be... ones because it's a very hot football players, and you would never know it because they have to wear these contraptions. They look like giant yeah. orthodontic uh, correcting things. Yeah, in 2022, I don't care about the NFL and social justice anymore. Like, I just I can't be bothered. So let's focus on making the NFL sexy. Okay. Make no, this is a nice metal sound. again. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I brought this up before. Uh, no. Can you believe there's not been an Onion article about like uh, puppy bull veterans coming out as concussed or something? Wouldn't that be a cute little article? Anyway, I don't write for the Onion. I just want to tell them what you to should do. pitch that. Okay. You should pitch that. And we learned all about pitching from inventing Anna, which we'll get into in a second. <laughs> Uh, But first, we will be back with Oscar nominee Anjanu Ellis to discuss her role as Serena and Venus's mom in King Richard. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. 
I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And (laughs) I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. guest today is a staple of the stage and the screen a child of mississippi she's already a sag emmy and golden globe nominee and now an oscar nominee too for her role as the mother of vetus and serena williams in king richard please welcome ingenue ellis to keep it welcome Thank you. welcome Thank you. uh I'm so excited to have you here. We're so excited to have you here. I want to say, before we even get to King Richard, you, uh, I saw on stage uh, in one of my absolute favorite plays, uh, Joe Turner's oh, Coming Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You saw that. And I've had, we've had... <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, and I, we've had uh, we've had Andre Holland on the show too, and I've, I've uh, told him about seeing him in that as well. Uh, it's just what a fantastic show, um, and I feel like maybe it was yeah one of my early introductions to your work. So um, it's so exciting to have you here. Well, I gotta say that's very rare that I hear. I saw you and Joe Turner's coming on. <laughs> I remember you from that play. <laughs> Uh, thank you we studied august wilson Uh, i come from theater so we studied august wilson uh and we did that play um back in chicago um so it's been one of my favorite plays forever august wilson is 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 a giant in in my mind in my work in 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 every way so i mean it was a that was really a dream come true to be in that play, um, uh, I I was you know when it became a possibility, I was like I don't care what you put, I don't care what role I have, I just want to be in it. And it was <laughs> one of those things like I just want to I just want to yeah. be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, as an Oscars savant, I obviously am looking forward to the ceremony itself. But there's a part of me that almost wishes this period between the nominations and the ceremony could last forever because it's just so fun to talk about like a group of five nominated performances. We don't have to fight anymore about who belongs in the group. The group's been decided. Are you enjoying this moment in time in particular? Yeah, you know, I I never... I never in, I don't know, what's longer than a thousand? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what's longer than a million? Like, what's a made-up child name uh, for, like, the length of time? Uh, Gajillionaire? Like, gajillionaires? <laughs> you know, would ever have thought that something like this would have happened to me? Um, I had decided a long time ago uh, that it wouldn't, and I was all right. 
I was okay to be, you know, the person on the sidelines, you know, and the person <laughs> that would be debating like, oh, she should have got nominated and he should have got nominated, you know, that, and I was going to be like, that's, that's, that's my lot in life. And I was, I was good with it. Trust and believe. And then this, you know, and then I started getting nominated for different things and it was weird. It was strange. And, and then this happened, you know, just, it just blew me. It just, it, it just blew me away. And, you know, this is sort of, you guys are sort of my first conversation that I'm having in that period. You know, I was thinking the same thing, like, mm. you know, it feels like the honeymoon period, right? You know, and I was like, God, <laughs> I want this to, I want this to, part of it to last because the other part of it, you know, that's going to be what it's going to be. But this is, this is something special. Mm-hmm. And it's so exciting that, you know, it gets to be, in-person ceremony this time you know not to really you know knock last year but you know um i I love the oscars for its glam and you know it feels like you've earned something um being able to be there also with all your peers um and people who voted for you people who are rooting for you instead of um you know being um on a computer (laughs) or sectioned off from people yeah And I'm praying, let's all knock on wood that, you know, that that, that will that will continue to happen. So yeah, because mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yes. Like, you know, I I I I love the idea. I'm not a you know a big red carpet chick or whatever, but you know, I I just I'm a fan of these, I'm a fan of these people, you know what I mean? Like, and to be mm-hmm. walking and to be in their presence and to be in the midst of them, you know, it it really is it it really is stunning to me. Yeah, I mean, do, do you take mm-hmm. a step back and think like, wow, you know who my competition is? Judy Dench. Does that feel crazy? <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me just talk about that for like five seconds. I saw her in, I saw her in last night, her in Iris. It was a movie. Oh, fabulous. Oh mm. my God. I mean, her, okay. just like the whole movie, the like the directing, the everything about it was just gorgeous and beautiful and and I didn't think about this. And then I was like, yo, they're going to call my name out and her name out. You know what I mean? That's crazy, y'all. Like, that's that's crazy. It's people that I look to for how to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For how to do it, how it should be done. You know, this acting thing that has been very sort of, you know, this kind of like thing that I can't kind of hold on to or figure out most of the time and she's someone who I've looked to is like this is how you do it um and then to be in her company it's it's like I said it's it stuns me it stuns that reminds me that uh, Mm -hmm. there was an I think an Emmy speech once that Tina Fey gave gave where she was just talking about how if she doesn't know how to do something, she thinks about Julie Louis-Dreyfus, who I think happened to be in the audience that day. Do you have actual actors where you're like, okay, I'm stuck here, and now I'm going to think about how I don't know who would do it. But do people come to mind when you're stuck, when you're in a bind in a scene? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, all the time. It used to be it used to be Denzel Washington. You know, it used to be like, well, what would Denzel do? What would Denzel do? You know? Um, and I remember I had this crazy story. I was in California randomly, uh, for something and I had an audition for something. No, I actually had the job and I was trying to figure out how I was going to do it. So I don't know if I should even tell the story because it's so embarrassing, but I was in the shower 
And I was doing it how I thought Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington would do it. And I was just, you know, my hands were going everywhere. I was doing a voice. I was just like, I was Denzel. I was channeling him in that shower in Bernard San Fernando Valley that day. My elbow hit the wall of the shower. <laughs> I became airborne. <laughs> the next thing I know, I'm flying out of the shower and hit my head on the toilet. What? Completely oh. injured myself. I probably was unconscious for like a couple of seconds. And I think that was my last Denzel Washington day. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. It was crazy. So yeah, it used to be, it used to be Denzel. Um, and now it's now it's probably Ruby D. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Seems safer, safer to, you know, do what Ruby D would do. Ruby D More self-contained performances, uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, no stunts involved. Uh, uh, well, I mean, speaking of Denzel, but Denzel is nominated this year as well, making him, I think, the most nominated Black actor ever, uh, along with Will, uh, who is the King Richard in question. Um what was it like, you know, joining this film um, and, you know, knowing that you would um, get to work with Will in this? And then what 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 surprised you about working on set with him? You know, I think as people who've seen Will Smith's work over the years, uh, it's always exciting when he, you know, does a role like this because he's also, you know... Um, most famous person in the world doing like Independence Day and Men in Black. And then you, you know, he loves doing smaller movies like this, uh, more intimate movies. Uh, so what was your experience like? Well, you know, I just, I just wanted to, I wanted to be in this. It was just another one of those things, another Joe Turner thing, you know, that I just wanted, mm -hmm. I just wanted to be in it so, so badly. And I had to fight for it. Um, Cause you have to fight for these things if you're not if you're not like you know those two or three actresses who they go to you have to you have to fight for it and so i had to i had to fight for it you know read for it several few times um ultimately met with um uh ray our director and then that led to um a, a in person this was before the pre-pandemic um, in-person meeting with with Will. And so that meant that while I was shooting something else, I had to get on, a, sneak on a plane because I wasn't supposed to be leaving town, sneak on a plane and, you know, sneak sneak away to Los Angeles um, Saturday morning after I had worked until like the morning of my other job, I got on a plane and went to Los Angeles to meet him and I couldn't, I can't sleep on a plane. So I was just like, you know, in paralysis the entire time and couldn't change clothes because I can't move on. A, I was a mess. So I get to Los Angeles and I had to change clothes in the car <laughs> on the way to his house. And the driver was being really, really nosy. He knew he was taking me, taking me to somebody, somebody famous's house. And was trying to ask mm -hmm. me all these questions to like figure out where I, where he was taking me, and I was trying to be all vague because you know I'm not gonna say I'm going to Will Smith's house. So 
Mm -hmm. Um, So that was going on. Then I was changing my clothes. And when I got to Will's house, I hadn't brushed my teeth since the night before. I had to buy a toothbrush to Uh the airport. So I'm brushing my teeth outside of Will Smith's house in this (laughs) car and spitting my toothpaste in his yard outside of his gate while this while this driver is asking me now where are we going now where I was like dude just leave me alone go inside meet him and his this palatial beautiful house that has the most incredible view of a mountain that I've ever experienced and he was lovely to me kind um and then it was over and I was he fed me <laughs> like this feast but he still didn't say I had the job so I was just so everybody was leaving and I was just standing there looking around like watching everybody drive away and I'm thinking like yo did I get the job like what's happening here and I said hey, bye and they were like okay we'll be in touch I didn't hear anything for a week or so you know I was back in Atlanta and everything mm-hmm. anyway it turned it, it went my way as you would see but then doing the job is a whole other thing so you're just like, okay, what is this? What is this going to be like working with this one of the most famous people in the entire world? What is this going to be like? He is a certified bona fide movie star. I walk in first day of rehearsal. I look on the window. We are working in his office. I look on the window, and he has he has post-it notes, post-it index cards all over the window. They look like little birds that are like plastered to the window, you know, in every color. And I, I and he's, he's sort of talking through things because I came in midway of his conversation with Ray. And what he's done is he's broken down every beat of the film, every beat of the film. So every index card that's on that wall is every beat of the film. And so my first thought of him is this man does not have to do any of this. Does not have to do any of this, you know? But this is how seriously he still, at this point, not having to do any of this, this is how seriously he still takes his job and how committed he still is to character, how committed he still is to telling story. So then that happened. And then we actually started doing the film. And then what I, my experience of him was that this was a, 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 an education in how, how to be a superstar, but how also how to be a good man because he was so kind and lovely to everybody and made everybody feel made everybody feel like they were welcome, like they belonged. He wouldn't allow anybody to be mistreated in his presence. I don't care who it was. He just would not allow it. And it used to, I've seen him be angry when some, when a background artist or someone was mistreated, you know? So that, I think that's just the measure. That's, that's the measure of him. I could go on and on about, about Mr. Mr. Will Smith, but I think that's, that's hopefully that explains it or tells the story of it. Now, uh, much has been said about your wonderful, like, uh, I'll call it a monologue uh, against Will Smith's character. But of course, also, you actually play tennis in this movie. And I was wondering if that was 
the most strenuous thing you've ever had to learn on a set? And if it's not, is the most strenuous work you've ever done fighting Denise Richards and Undercover Brother? <laughs> not you bringing up Undercover Brother before me. Watch before me. Before me. I know the head. Before me. Okay. I was going to bring up Sister Girl. Um, I had fun beating up Denise Richardson. <laughs> it's not working. That was a good time for me. I had a good time. King Richard, on the other hand, is a whole other thing. A whole other thing. Yo, they had me taking lessons three times a week. And, you know, I, I was telling someone this, you know, I've, I've said this actually a couple of times, like they really wanted me to at least appear that I was as competent as Miss Orsine, you know? So they re, they were really trying to get me to learn these serves mm-hmm. that Miss Orsine had essentially invented, you know? And at a certain point, I just had to be like, missing y'all. This is not my ministry, as we say in the South, you know, it's just not what I do. You know what I mean? So just let like let let's let's just try something else. So, yeah, it was it was very it was it was hard. It was hard. It was like I had to I had to train, but I had no tennis experience at all experience at all. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had to do something. Yeah. Do you enjoy it now? Like, would you casually play tennis or are you like I'm never picking up a racket again? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Um, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I am good. Yeah, I'm good. Maybe a table tennis situation on a on a cruise ship at some point. <laughs> That's over too. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to at the ceremony? Oh, at the cer- at the ceremony. I you know, I haven't I haven't really thought about the at the ceremony part of it. You know, I really I because there's so much that's gonna have to happen before that, before that actually happens. I haven't really thought about mm-hmm. it. You know, it's just like every every phone call with every relative and every friend is, so what are you gonna wear? You know, <laughs> you need to be working on what you're gonna wear, like right now. Who have you talked to? You know, so that's that's all in my head. But I have, do we know who's styling you? No, I I don't know. I don't know who's gonna you know who I'm gonna go with designer wise or what I'm gonna do. We gonna I'm gonna have on something. Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. <laughs> Going through your credits, I realize there's several people you've worked with multiple times. Like Regina King comes up a couple of times. Yeah, do you have a yeah. favorite person who comes up again and again in your career that you're thrilled to work with? Oh my goodness. Um, I went through this period where I was working with Sam Jackson a lot, mm-hmm. you know, doing things with him, mm-hmm. doing things with him a lot. I've worked with Courtney Vance a lot um, <clears throat> and something with him that's going to be out in a couple couple months. Um, Blair Underwood, I've worked with a lot. Um, so I work with dudes a lot. Uh, I'm, ready <laughs> to, like, I'm ready to have that story about women, you know. <laughs> Thankfully, I mm-hmm. have worked with, you know, with Regina I would love to work with Regina some more, you know? Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like the entire world feels that way. If we could all, like, if I, I, I'm not even in movies. If I could do a few <laughs> movies with Regina King, that would be nice. Right. <laughs> so, with Regina, I want to do something with Viola Davis. I want to do something with Taraji Henson and that freaking fantastic mm-hmm. Regina Hall. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Who we're going to get at the Oscars now. My God, what a triumph. Yes, did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, yes, my God. Yes. I saw that. <laughs> How exciting. Yo, she's 
she's hilarious, elegant, beautiful, everything. She's everything. She had been on this podcast before and then, you know, she's like a normal person. You talk to her and you like, it's, it's great to be acquainted with her. And then you watch the movies again. You're like, something is wrong with this woman. She is insane. She can do anything. These characters are not normal. Yeah. No. And that's what I love about her. Like there's this strange quality, you know, about the, about what she does that just, it's just dope. It's just dope. I mean, and speaking of, yeah, you mentioned you'd work with Sam a lot. Um, We've had um, Casey Lemons on the show, too. Um, I think you did Caveman's Valentine. Uh, She directed that. Uh, I would love to see you working with Casey again, too. You know, uh, one of our prolific um, black female directors. Yeah, and, you know, I want to expand that list, too, of of working with, like, um, some black women directors. I'm I'm ready for that that portion of my life. I've had a very, like, it's been very dude-heavy, so... Mm-hmm. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for that. Very, very ready for that. And it's just such, and you know, I just think like, I just think like black women particularly are doing like such really great, interesting things now. And um, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, you know, win or lose, uh, we're rooting Thank for you. You. Um, you know, just being a part of this, getting the nomination is one of the first steps, you know, for black actors in Hollywood to be able to be like, okay. You, I've gotten this accolade here, so now let me do something I want to do. I know, and the reality is it does help you do other things that you want to do that you don't have to. I'm tired of working for people. Let me just put that, write that down, you know? You know what I'm going to work for myself. I want to answer to myself or at least answer to the people that I want to answer to. So um, that the, the reality is, you know, you don't sort of, you, you try not to think about it like, oh, I want to get an Oscar nomination one day. You know, but you, you got to keep in your keep keep in mind that it is. And I know this might sound cliche, but it's the truth. You got to stay in the work of it, because if you think about it like that, it will destroy your soul because you're putting how you your estimation of your work in someone else's hands that will kill you. So you got to keep about it. Got to It's about the work. It's about the, about the work. But the reality is when you have those two names, those two words after your name, it gets you indoors. That's mm-hmm. just the, and shout out to Ariana DeBose. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Black woman. Yes. In the category. Yes. yes. Shout out. Big shout out. Yeah. yeah. I better I better see a picture yeah. with you and her at some point. I need I, I need like the nominees to be coming together. Yeah. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Can you sing Don't and dance? Know. Let's see what the music go with her. <laughs> <laughs> she wins. <laughs> Uh, but no, yes, congratulations on the nomination on those two words. Listen, we we I love seeing those words in trailers. Okay, you could be you could be in Smurf sixty four, <laughs> yeah, and it will say and it will say Oscar nominee Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. Smurf sixty. <laughs> Listen, you are right. <laughs> uh thank you again for being thank here so you. much you guys have a great day i appreciate it thank you for taking the time to talk to me oh my god our pleasure king richard is out now and when we're back we're gonna dive into shonda rhymes's latest netflix show when it comes to scents you should pick ones that smell like well you target gets it which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. 
Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. It's an amazing time to be a good actor playing a bad person in a fictional account of a real crime. Agreed, I think. I'm doing the math in my head. Go ahead. Yeah. 2020 and 2021 brought with them a scammer renaissance. So naturally, 2022 is filled with television versions of those grifters we know and love. Except, I'm sorry, inventing Anna is not great. Also, do you know what's equally unfortunate? I know the character who is Anna is not played by somebody named Anna, but Anna Klumsky is the star of the show. And there, it feels mm-hmm. like incriminating that. I also don't think she's that good in it. So it's like inventing. It's not inventing. No, Anna. It's, it's deconstructing it's so, Anna's it's abilities. It's so weird. It's so weird that she's so fucking good on veep. And like, it's just completely, I don't know if it's like the writing. I don't know if it's just like her trying to like be this like schlubby reporter or whatever. But, um, it's just not working for me at it's all. Like, and also, like she has the same acidity as she did on Veep, but that quality almost doesn't make sense given like the desperation of her character and how she's like trying to be a reporter. It's just like a weird juxtaposition. I don't know who I would rather play it, but she's a, I, I, her emotional conflict is like boring or something. I don't know. Well, it's also the fact that I don't give a fuck about Jessica Pressler. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, and I'm sorry to say this about a journalist, but Jessica Pressler, who is the journalist who wrote the Hustler story and also wrote the um, story about Anna Delvey, um, is like a character in both of the projects. She's a character in Hustlers, and like Inventing Anna is basically about her investigating this and the one thing hustlers actually did was at least jump back in time um for the most part and tell a narrative story there is too much of inventing anna that is set in the figuring out what happens space i it's not it's not like active viewing yeah you're like hearing somebody recall something that happened it doesn't feel like a catch me if you can like where you are in the head of Anna and you're seeing her devise these schemes in real time and then feeling like the the tension from whether or not she's going to pull them off or you know like whether or not she's going to get caught etc and that tension would still work even with us knowing the story you know because like we watched the like the fucking crown you know yeah, right, and, right. and it's tense as hell you know I, I don't think we needed the framing device of it being set in the present I think you could have just started in the past and then made it like a longer running series with a bunch of like continuing um her story each season um but for me it just feels like it falls flat when you have the reporter and like the team like discussing what anna delvey did and then you cut to anna doing it it's like well you've just described it so you've taken all of the air out of the scene right 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 no and also it's depiction of how 
journalism works. I mean, there, maybe some of it is true <laughs> to what actually happened. But this this woman, played by Anna Klumsky, Jessica, as you just said, like has to storm into a room of men having a meeting who say, we can't talk to you right now, Anna. We're having a meeting. And she's like, I want to write this story. And they all exchange a glance and roll their eyes and, and say, that's great, honey. Please watch. Please do the assignment <laughs> we gave you. It's like so simplistic. So like men don't appreciate the hard work of women and the uh, in their entrepreneurial spe- spirit no publication would be like this I, and if it was they don't do enough to make it seem not like poor writing um yeah uh not uh, even not even mentioning how um it's almost like she's writing a watered down version of scandal here um where um Vivian Kent, the character Anna Shlomsky plays, um, like basically has like a supporting team of journalists who are not doing their own jobs, but are helping right. her uh, do the reporting on her um, story. Like, 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 like they're just enjoying it. No, th- just for they, fun. They, and they're like, we're all on your team. It's not the men aren't going to get you. Anna Devere Smith, who is one of these people, <laughs> is like, uh, like th- they like find out all this information about Anna Delvey on Instagram, and they're all so proud of it. I'm like, okay, I just want to be clear. Any 11 year old could have done that. So, all right, not that impressive for one thing. And two, Anna Devere Smith, you are a Pulitzer nominee. I know you want to pick up a check, and I'm thrilled for you. But it worries me that you are playing second fiddle to. This boring reporter. You know, back when I was a journalist, I asked uh-huh. Anna Devere Smith to help me with all of my reporting, and uh-huh. she let me down easy. <laughs> See? Right. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know it was a really well done active scam movie? Can you ever forgive me? Like, imagine yes. if that imagine if that movie was told from the perspective of somebody writing about her. It's like the person is intriguing because we connect with where she's coming from. Like we, we watch her make decisions and we're like, would we do the same thing? Oh God. Like she made a really treacherous decision now. And we empathize with how bad things could get. Whereas a show like this is banking on you being as obsessed with the myth of Anna Delvey as they are. And that's probably an unfair estimation because she is sort of like a normal scammer. Like like a traditional scammer, in fact, you know, like uh, like changes her voice, changes her hairstyle, whatever. It's just it, it it's familiar in a way, and so the intrigue you're supposed to have for her doesn't really exist. Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. The show is wrapped up in the the article coming out and like the excitement that surrounded all of that, uh, and I think it's trying to trade off that emotion instead of telling a compelling story with Anna Delvey as a protagonist, like. Yeah. Like, Julia Garner does nothing in this series, really. Just walks around in her accent. <laughs> I'm like, I do that every week. <laughs> no one's documenting that. Yeah. No. <laughs> Julia Garner is sort of similar to Ozark. It's good and also extreme. So it's like between normal and utterly unbelievable, but it's supposed to exist in that space. So I think she gives it a heft it needs to even be um, to have a little bit of curiosity about it but it's not enough that you literally are taken back to the moment we all read this story four years ago and we're so swept up in the mystery of how could somebody do this here's the thing i also want to say i think that shonda shows sometimes are a bit too quaint Mm -hmm. I, i felt like there's a reason why how to get away with murder felt like more dangerous and sexy 
um, you know, because she wasn't immediately at the helm the way she was with Grey's Anatomy. Like it was, it was a different person running it. You know, um, Peter was running that show. Um, it just feels very, like it feels very much like you know, like it's not that sexy. It feels like it doesn't want like the weird scene where um the lawyer you know is like uh, doesn't want to swear in front of his kid. You know, it just feels very feels very PG to me. You know, mm-hmm. to and to tell this story in a very PG way, it doesn't feel very New York. It doesn't feel sexy. It doesn't feel glamorous. It doesn't feel like there's any knowledge of um, the culture that produced this. The, I think Doreen St. Felix tweeted that. Um, mm-hmm. She had said that, like, this had a similar issue to, and just like that, it's just like Inventing Anna is just like bizarrely unaware of the culture that produced this subject. It's like it's yeah. nothing about the series feels like it's giving you a peek into New York society. It, it feels like it feels very weird. You know, it's yeah, not yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. authentic to me. And I feel like and just like that felt like also like very inauthentic to New York society in a way that like the original Sex in the City was not like the original Sex in the City was like informing culture. Uh, and like. this seems like it's responding to it. Um moments like I, I just don't believe that this reporter who like lives in new york like is this like um fucking like ugly betty right yeah you know right. like she's walking around like ugly oh my betty god i've never exactly been in a house like right. this yeah like exactly right yes and it's like uh, all part of like because that's that's like relatable to the viewer right like we too have never been in a house like that can we get away from relatability my god is it so boring <laughs> who who is this person that needs relating to so goddamn bad i love i love characters that i don't relate to at all a share and clueless name one thing we have in common nothing other than you know affection for pop culture and occasionally scamming an a minus out of a teacher giving us a b minus i mean just that's more interesting we want people who shock us with their strangeness and their Ugh. unrelatability. But Shonda Rhimes has this tendency to want to appeal to, you know, um, like Sharon and Kalamazoo. Right, 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 right. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the uh, when she goes to um, that place in the Hamptons, like the entire conversation uh, is like, who would, who would own a house this big? You know, like um, I, I've never been in a house this big. You know, like who has $30 million to spend on a house? It's like, Girl, you are a reporter in New York. <laughs> right. You you run into people with money all the fucking time. Like, come on. Right. That is really annoying. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of other scammer things. I've well, we're we're obviously about to get this like Tiger King thing with uh, Kate McKinnon, uh, which is an interesting turn of events because I don't it want already it. has been dramatized. It's already <laughs> like like you only needed the the docu series, and normally. I understand at least making something like Inventing Anna because you put together a profile of this woman in your head when you're reading about it. But on Tiger King, we literally have just seen the people already. So there's nothing left as like a viewer for me to want from them. We've seen the people. We've we've seen the people. We've heard everyone talk ad nauseum about it. Like like the half of the pandemic was people talking about fucking Tiger King. And I want to talk Mm -hmm. about it again. Right. No, no, no. I didn't even watch season two. Do you know what we still need a proper scam movie about? And I know we got the TV movie a couple of years ago, and there were a couple of great performances in it, namely from Lil Mama. But Pebbles, what you did to TLC, <laughs> I want to see it from your perspective. You know what scam movie I want to see actually remade? And I was discussing this with a friend this weekend who didn't realize 
one that um there had been a musical version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, right. Which of course. which is fantastic with um John Lithgow, Norbert Leo Butt, Sherry Renee Scott. Um uh, it was actually, I think, like the first Broadway show I ever saw. Mm. Uh into the back in 2005. Amazing. But they also didn't realize that the hustle was like a basically like a scene for scene remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And right. that was abysmal. Um, but I would like a revival. <laughs> I was saying, of, they'd be uh, forgiven if they didn't realize that existed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like a revival of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels on Broadway or a film version of the musical. Oh, that'd be fabulous too. Yeah. Also, Dirty uh, Rotten Scoundrels, a pleasure just in general. There are certain movies that like you used to just hear about all the time that people love that are like now falling by the wayside. I was just thinking about like Once Upon a Time, a definitive Robin Williams movie was Moscow on the Hudson and you never hear about that anymore. So anyway. I was with some friends in New York who were gays like our age and some slightly younger who were discussing their favorite films and all of them mentioned The Birdcage and I love that film but to me it's rare to hear like gay men our age like still discussing The Birdcage in detail and like quoting it in a way that's like it's new and fresh to them. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually somewhat reassuring to me. I think I've said on the show before, my problem with that movie is it's full of great characters, but the story to me feels like a sitcom episode. Yes. <laughs> you know? And also when people are like, uh, Christine Baranski's amazing in it. I'm like, girl, she's in it for like three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that this is um better than some of the other recent scammer things we've gotten lately, though. You know, we got we had I Care A Lot, which was abysmal. Uh, the Good Liar, which was offensive. Oof, The Good Liar. Mm -hmm. Did we ever talk about The Good Liar on this show? No, I think I think I we put a moratorium on it. I think The Good I I am The Good Liar is one of those films where it it is so insane in its twist that you almost want to recommend it to people because it's truly bonkers uh but then you forget that like you actually have to watch the movie like right. i want to recommend the movie like uh remember me that robert pattinson movie to people because of the twist that like it ends with him dying in 9-11 totally uh, but no, I, I see what you're but me you mean because you have to watch the entire movie to get there right discussing certain twists is more fun than having to experience the movie that leads up to them i also want to mention that i somehow missed people coming for steven soderbergh because they thought he was saying that um, superhero movies aren't sexy enough. Uh, uh, and it reminded me that no one came for uh, El Motivar when he said the same thing. That is true. And also, by the way, fair point. I mean, like, do you go to yeah. a superhero movie and I'm like, woof, that was highly erotic. I'm in the Spider-Verse well, and completely turned on. Well, I would say that that's actually a problem with the like newer Batman films, because when you think of the original Batman films, like the like the Tim Burton ones, the first two mm -hmm. Batman movies are sexy as hell, and like e like even the scene of like uh, Michael Keaton and like Michelle Pfeiffer like flirting with one another and the sexual tension in between them in that film is a, something that just doesn't exist in superhero movies anymore. Like you never think that yeah. like any of these people are going to fuck somebody. No, even the third not. movie with like I, Nicole Kidman. And then like, even, you know, uh, Chris O'Donnell's nipples and Alicia Silverstone running around like those, the, I feel like superhero movies used to be hornier and now they're not, they're very much, um, 
neutered um, to be mass consumption for um, children uh, and teenagers and virginal um, straight men, uh, even though I love them. Uh, It's mass consumption and mask consumption, M-A-S-C, yes. (laughs) I I feel like like Kellyanne Conway making that decision. Anyway, uh, mask consumption? What about (laughs) mask consumption? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, those are my thoughts on superhero movies, so. I'm sure there aren't any more, and I'm sure you won't bring them up again. All right, when we're back, um, it's time for Keep It. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. Lewis, what's your Keep It this week? Well, my Keep It is to my main viewing this past Sunday, which I guess should have been the Super Bowl. But I pulled a 180 and watched the real event, which was Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. And I have to say, Keep It to whatever that was uh, for a couple of reasons. (laughs) One... No movie has been given away in a trailer more. I I am shocked at how little else there was in the movie besides what you see in the trailer, which was, to be fair, like six minutes long. So I don't know what else I expected to get out of this movie. It was Netflix trailer level. Definitely. No, I mean, even Netflix like the supporting characters. Every movie. Right. The, even the supporting characters who, you know, w- would almost never find time in a normal trailer. Like, I knew every beat Sarah Silverman was going to give. Uh I I knew what detours the relationship between J-Lo and Owen Wilson would take. But in general, the main problem with this movie is they set up with an interesting concept. Oh, this pop star uh, is humiliated via TMZ and has to find a new husband to marry live on whatever Instagram. The movie is obsessed with social media. It has phone screens up constantly. Um, And then after that, after she marries Owen Wilson, who's like, you know, shrug emoji the entire time it doesn't know what to do with the two of them like really it is just about two people one whom is very famous one who is a normal teacher kind of just doing stuff together this time we're on a ferris wheel now we're walking around it doesn't have anything for them to do until they finally break up and resolve which is the end of the movie but in the middle of it it's just this blank space that's like not filled with jokes not filled with drama like and then also the thing that's missing from it and I think missing from, in general, most Jennifer Lopez starring vehicles outside of Hustlers, where she gives this critical thing. This character has no personality. And I feel like J-Lo, f- mm. from time to, like, uh, I, I bring it up all the time. There's a famous movie line interview with J-Lo from the late 90s, where she's kind of trashing a bunch of people. And even though that's incendiary, you really get a sense of her as a personality. It's like a spicy interview. In most of her starring vehicles, I'm thinking Made in Manhattan. I'm thinking The Wedding Planner. It's like there's a calculated lack of any discernible personality traits other than nice person who looks amazing. And I feel like that's not enough to carry a movie, generally speaking. And in this movie, it's like I wanted her to have something. I wanted her to be like bossy or uh, uh, a weirdo star, like out of touch with reality. And they kind of get into a comic beat with that at the end of the movie where she's on a plane trying to chase this guy down to Peoria to like profess her love to him. But otherwise they forget that she needs to be an interesting character and she's not. 
I think that's a problem with a lot of films of this ilk, you know, not to um, be a screenwriter referencing Save the Cat. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it misses the it misses the the fun um, section of the script, you know, the fun of your concept. The concept of this yes. film is, you know, like the superstar marries like this regular teacher and then, you know, like falls for him, you know, uh, and you, you miss that in movies like this you know they always have like this big concept you get to the concept and then it's like okay we don't really actually know what we want to do with this concept until right. we wrap up the movie where they sort of get together it's like the movie has been sold off of the first act and then there's no second act right it, i can i can read the log line in my head i can see what got people excited and then they didn't resolve it correctly but like i think also all my favorite rom-coms have really interesting stars and in again uh moonstruck comes up every year but the thing the dynamite thing about that movie is that every character could be their own individual movie they're such mm -hmm. strong personalities and so to see them wrapped up in a whirlwind romance is particularly rewarding whereas here they're all archetypal and man owen wilson is definitely giving you Whatever, I guess I'm in this movie energy the entire time. <laughs> uh, makes me really excited for that movie Shotgun Wedding, which was originally supposed to have Army Hammer in it. And it's J-Lo. Oh, yes. I don't even know who now. But a lot of these films, rom-coms also sort of miss conflict. Because there's conflict yeah. in the initial logline and story, but then there's never any other conflict in the film and like you think of like a moonstruck uh when you think of um you know any of your favorite romantic comedies it's just there are always there's always something else going on mm -hmm. and i of course this is a good time to shout out when harry met sally because the awesome thing about that movie is it's about the ambiguity of their relationship like it's not until the last moments that they actually decide they're romantic it's two people solving what what is this we're we're friends and we're fine with being friends and then because of that it's surprising when the relationship does evolve so i i wish this movie had played more with the um possibilities in their relationship and didn't just set up an obvious uh oh she, she it turns out she does love him ultimately like what mm. come on as much as i love j lo uh, my leo queen uh she really does love playing just like a nice um racially ambiguous lady <laughs> right yeah most of her me. films are like most of her films like like made manhattan and like wedding planner like she's just named something like mary some white yeah. woman's name <laughs> and it's always some white and it's always like a white love interest too you know it's very it's very come on sharon and kalamazoo yeah right yet again she's I, back i don't know why I, I don't know why i hate that bitch but yeah, I need people to start making movies for Sheridan Kalamazoo. Sheridan Kalamazoo knows what she did. <laughs> Storm the Capitol. Uh, Ira, All what's right. your keep it? My keep it involves a lot of things. It, it's, it's really the um, Kanye and Kim situation right now. Oh, um, there's Lord. a lot I could say keep it to. Um, one, um, the breakup with Julia Fox, uh, which just sort of happened unceremoniously uh which which is which is sort of disappointing because the relationship was sold to us as this like outsized like um you know attention grabbing like fun like celebrity like detour like i kind of enjoyed it while it was happening um but then to just get sort of like a news announcement that yeah by the way we broke up i'm like okay well that's kind of lame 
Yeah, she wore, you know? she wore all these vinyl crop tops for nothing. <laughs> and now the sort of narrative is, you know, like, oh, she knew what she was getting into. She didn't love Kanye. She was just, like, having a good time, like, blowing up her celeb a bit. And, like, now she's going to go back to being, like, niche, downtown it girl. I'm like, all right. Well, I don't love the third act of this rom-com, so <laughs> thanks. Uh, but my real keep it, I guess, is to grown men um, rewriting the Kanye and Kim romance. Because here's my thing. When Kanye and Kim were together, I routinely would hear people say, oh, the Kardashians are ruining, ruining Kanye. You know, mm-hmm. or like you wanted Kanye to get back to the Kanye he was before he was wrapped up in, you know, like, you know, everything that was going on in that family. But now the narrative, because Kanye has decided that like Kim Ye forever and he is, you know, insanely trying to win her back by um, sharing private text conversations and uh, asking friends to beat up I'm sorry, and asking fans to beat up Pete Davidson. Um, like like he's Taylor Swift trying to defend um her songwriting honor. Um, it it seems insane to me. Right mm. now, now the narrative is they loved Kanye and Kim together and need to get them back together. I'm almost certain that's not the case. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not bent on that one way or the other. But it's like his fans in like in like the comments and everywhere else. It's like you know, like you know, get this man and his wife back together. True love. I'm like, it's it's really deranged. Also, I don't know that anything with Kanye West is true, let alone love. So let's not put those together. That's fair. Uh, you know, he lives I in a bo- pseudo reality that I that most people are not invited to. <laughs> um so that is just like the weirdest part of this to me you know this rewriting of you know like oh we really want them to be back together and i think that will sometimes happen with celebrity couples oh i remember when there was the moment when danny devito and rhea perlman broke up i'm like no but like you were like fate put you together and and on the earth at the same time and i'm supposed to see you two interact sometimes and be cute and utterly short and so when they finally got back together i was relieved but at the same time i would not i don't need them any i i i sympathize with you are they even back together i think so i think i thought they just like hung out that could be whatever so they're together in my (laughs) mind you know pooling their emmy nominations and yeah uh, I don't know. That feels like my gr- uh, grandfather on my dad's side and my grandmother. You know, it's like a thing where I thought that they'd split up when I was younger because uh, my grandfather was living in Vegas and my grandmother was living in Maryland. And then um, it turns out they never got a divorce. And now they're just living back together again in in Raleigh. And I'm like, OK, is, is this just what older people do? Sometimes act. Sometimes people make the active choice of whatever. <laughs> Actually, I think that's my favorite kind of celebrity, like coupling. You know, like I'm, I'm always enamored with, um, like an Elizabeth Taylor marriage. Like, like the the celebrities who break up, get a divorce, maybe get married again, and then get remarried to the person uh, that they were married to before. Those are my oh, yeah. favorite because that's just sort of like, all right, you know what? I did miss this person. Right. Well, with Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, I mean, that's sort of like, uh, I'll say Batman and the Joker. It's like, you know, we were meant to be adversaries, you know, 
We're, I need a sparring partner, and that's who you are. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I would love it if more random celebrities got back together with uh, former paramours. No. When there was that story when Angelina Jolie went into Johnny Lee Miller's apartment, I can't help it. I screamed. I screamed. I thought okay, that was crazy. That, that, was, that was exciting. That was exciting. Yeah. You know? That's, uh, I said, that I guess they're the, just friends or something. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, being friends with an ex. Who could imagine? Celebrities do that? I know. I know. That's just for gay men. Stop. <sighs> anyway, um, thanks for listening this week. Thanks to Anjanu Ellis for joining us. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Keep It. But also, don't forget to rate and subscribe to Keep It on Apple Podcasts. Like us. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Reston. And our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. But I, Louis Fertel, do a good job too. Our audio engineers are Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin. And the show is mixed and edited by Charlotte Landis. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Melkonian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com.